Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and here on this day before we celebrate Independence Day, it seems only fitting to be talking about freedom in our relationships, especially those between fathers and their children. And today is part one of a two-part conversation that I will be having with a man that I have come to know and love and respect over the course of the last nine years. I can't believe it's been that long. And his name is Paul Young. Now, you may have seen his book called The Shack, where he says William P. Young, but he goes by Paul. And I am imagining that most of you know him, at least by name, so he probably doesn't need any introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. So first off, I just want to say that Paul is my friend, my heart friend, and has had such a profound impact on my life. He's best-selling author of The Shack, which is not only a book, but now a movie. If you haven't seen it, you have got to get out and get the DVD because it's coming out later this month. Woohoo! And I guarantee you will love it. And you will see the Trinity in new ways. He's also written Crossroads, Eve, and most recently, Lies We Believe About God. He's a husband and a father to six adult children, four boys and two girls. So he has two daughters-in-law, a son-in-law, and nine grandkids and one on the way. And Paul has described his life journey, listen to this, as both incredible and unbearable, a desperate grasping after grace and wholeness. Listen to that again, both incredible and unbearable, a desperate grasping after grace and wholeness. And today we're going to unpack a little bit of his story, especially in relationship to how he has been fathered and how he has fathered his daughters in particular. One last thing I want to say before we begin this discussion is that Paul has a special gift, and it's to give hugs. And I describe his hugs, for me, literally they have been healing, and they're long, and they're safe, and they're good, and they're holy. And I've never known anyone to give holy hugs other than this man. So without further ado, Paul, welcome. So good to be with you, Michelle. Thank you. Oh, it's it's such a joy. Well, I always do on your market, set, go. So you and I are coaching fathers today that stand side by side on their fathering journey, ready to run the race this week anew. And the title today on your mark is From Bondage to Freedom, The Path to Healing Father Wounds. So Paul, I would love to just go back in time and and have you talk about the foundation that was laid in your life in relation to your father. What What has your relationship with your father been like? One of the great advantages that I have is that uh, my father's oldest sister, sibling, uh, who is about to turn 96, she's a historian. And so she has documented the family history going back a few generations, which uh, gives me a really great perspective of the brokenness of my own dad now, Mm -hmm. you know, because when you're a child... uh, the perception is, is that your parents are as close to deity as anybody. Exactly. And so a lot of times what they present as the character and nature of God is right implicit inside their own behaviors and the ways that they relate to you. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of us who had broken relationships with our fathers, we end up with a very broken relationship with God. And, um, and this was the case. My dad... Um, Came, uh, he was orphaned when he was 12 at 18, uh, at 14, he was working in the logging camps in mm-hmm. British Columbia and had a massive encounter with Jesus at 18, walked right out and into Bible school, uh, where he meets my mom. Yeah. They get married. Um, and, uh, he takes a little church up in the Peace River country up in Northern Alberta. And that's where I'm born, mm-hmm. Grand Prairie, Alberta. And then, uh, a year, 10 months later, we 
uh, pack everything up, and we moved to the highlands of New Guinea, where my parents are pioneer missionaries. Uh-huh. So my did my dad did not have the chip for being a dad. Yeah, that was busted in him by his dad and his own experience. And and uh, and we can go back in the history and say, you know, I know my my uh, grandfather was a, a very damaged human being, mm-hmm. and I know my great grandfather was before him. So there is a legacy here yeah. of brokenness um, that extends way back. So w- m- when I talk about my own great sadnesses, which really undergird the imagery in the shack. Yeah. Um, one of them is my relationship with my dad. Yeah. It, he was a terrifying man to be anywhere near. Mm-hmm. He was built for pioneer missions. We were in a very, you know, in retrospect, a very dangerous place. Um, my parents were in their 20s, you know, and wow. they're in the middle of Stone Age, yeah. ritualistic, cannibalistic. Oh, my goodness. Um, warring tribal people who had never seen a white person before and that's the world that i grew up with as normal and um and there were great wonderful things that were part of growing up that way but my relationship with my dad was was a centerpiece of of instability that is Mm -hmm. i never knew um from one moment to the next when some mine would go off that I happened to step on. Uh-huh. And I describe it as living in a house where they changed the mines every night and you just didn't know. Um, so, uh, but I didn't grow up with him either. He was doing the mission work. He was mm-hmm. away. He was uh, um, not engaged as a father at all. And when he was, he was furious uh, a lot. Uh-huh. So a lot of yeah. absence. And then a when you were of, together, yeah. you never knew in the landmine, you'd step on it. And Correct. Blow. So, and, and coupled with other things that were going on in my childhood, um, my relationship with my dad was just incredibly difficult. And he, he didn't know how to be a father. He just mm-hmm. didn't. He didn't have the capacity, nor the background, nor the experience, he, nor mm-hmm. the exposure to it. Yeah. And, um, and, and even though he did some really fantastic things in terms of um, what he was able to do uh, good things in the culture and in people's lives over the years, his and my relationship has been in a huge yes. struggle. And one of the things in your most recent book, Lies We Believe About God, you write that your father was disappointed in you. Mm. And then there was there are these dashes and then you said all the time. Yeah. And I imagine there's many men listening today that say, uh, that's my story. Yeah. I And I so appreciate that you said that's what you felt as a child and believed. And you said whether or not your dad was disappointed with you, you don't really know because you haven't had that conversation yet. Right. And I just, I wonder. And my dad is 87 now 87. and still alive. You think you'll ever have the conversation? I don't know. There's been some things that have been uh, shifting a bit. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, over the course of your life, you you tend to pile up stuff in the, in the basement of your own house and the yep. inside. And I think that it, it may be true that my dad has piled up so much stuff that he's too terrified to oh, open that door. Yeah. And um, because, you know, you open it a crack and and everything's going to come out. Exactly. And, uh, and that's, yeah. I don't know if that's uh, too much on this side of the veil. I see what you mean. Yeah. So how has your dad's disappointment in you shaped you? Oh, my goodness. Because we've talked um, about the anger and the absence. Yeah. What about the disappointment? Ah, uh, and that and that becomes a really strong characteristic about how we see God's relationship as Father toward us. Yeah, and everything then becomes about uh, 
what is the set of expectations that I need to meet so that you're not. Right. Right? But it's always temporary, too, because it's only as good as our perfect behavior. And mm -hmm. uh, so we're always standing on the precipice, uh, precipice of um, an abyss where it's like, and after a while, I think a bunch of guys, they just, they just kind of quit. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, quit trying. I can't do it. Yeah. And, and um, you know, if, if relationship with God is about performance, then the broken of us, we don't have a chance. Uh -huh. I mean, it's just a matter of time before all of our faking as, as we see it mm -hmm. um, gets discovered and we're outed again, you know? Right. Exactly. So m when my dad would, and he was a very, he was an abusive disciplinarian. Mm -hmm. and, um, and when he would uh, come in at me, um, I ended up, having only three words that I tried to use for a defense. And I think I wrote about it. And that is, I'll be good. That's what I would mm. scream at him over and over and over. I'll be good. I'll be good. I'll be good. And because um, obviously he's furious. Obviously I'm in the wrong, even if I don't know what it is. Yeah. And therefore give me another chance. Yeah. You know, and as a, as a hope to stop the, the um, uh, discipline. I'm so moved to tears. I mean, just picturing a little boy going, I'll be good. Well, that's where we get stuck, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and then the rest of our lives, it's like, yeah. so what do you want me to be, right. you know? And let me try and, and, and I'll be good. And, um, and every, with, but here's the, here's the agreement that you're making in your own heart. Mm. I'm bad. Exactly. I'm bad. Every time you yell that, you're declaring, okay, yeah. I'm bad right now, mm -hmm. but you just tell me what your set of expectations are and I'll be good. And, and you can see how that easily transforms over to your theology and exactly. to your relationship with God. So uh, plus we had a very mm, dismantling theology that God the Father was an abusive disciplinarian of, of Jesus, right? Uh -huh. um, and that's what we were taught, that you know, this is a God who abandons, this is a God who turns away, can't look on sin, his... His son, you know, yes, he, he does it for us, but yes. he, he becomes so horrific that, uh -huh. that God who is good can't look on his son who has become us, yeah. right? What does that uh -huh. state about the fundamental truth of our being? Mm -hmm. It states that we're worthless, yeah. we're depraved, we're, we're just garbage. Exactly. Right? And so once, once that assumption is made, we've got no way to climb out of this hole. Yeah, no None way. at all. So even talking more, Paul, about your dad is there's three three boys in your family, one girl growing yes. up. What did you watch about I'm the your oldest dad's relate? Yeah, you're the oldest. About how he related to your sister, perhaps different than you, because you oh, think about that model. And, and that's a great question because, and it and what it does, it gives us a picture of how you can put ten children in front of the same abuse, and ten lives will go ten totally different directions. We are so uniquely crafted that what we're exposed to is processed uniquely and becomes our hurt. Yeah, all this in is, the same family. Yep, yep. Uh -huh. So you could have four children like in our family who could write their histories and you'd have four different histories. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as the oldest, I experienced the front end of this stuff. Yeah. Debbie was the second born and my sister experienced it incredibly differently. And and this didn't really come to light until a few years ago. Uh-huh. Um, you know, one of the things that she did not like when we were in high school was that she was Paul's sister, right? That she was sort of in the background. Yeah. And so 
I, over the years, have tried not to to let her be lost in the wake of the stuff that's happened around me. Mm-hmm. And um, Anna, we were at a conference, and at one point, she comes to me, and she's in tears, and she says, I'm invisible to you. And I'm going like, what are you talking about? She said, you won't even acknowledge me in any public sense. Well, here I am trying to not acknowledge her so that she doesn't get lost oh, in my wake, uh-huh. right? And this tapped into something that went all the way back to our childhood. Yeah. Here's what she said as we talked about it. She said, you know, I've come to realize that as I, she said, I saw what dad did to you. And I saw what he did to our, our other brother. The, yeah. the youngest, Stephen, was so young that he didn't catch the brunt of that. Mm-hmm. She said, I saw what dad did to you, but he never touched me. I wasn't even worth touching. Mm. So she saw that at least when he hits you, he's at least touching you. Wow. I'm just invisible, huh. right? So again, you have a, a child who processes completely different, different inside the same kind yes. of system, family uh-huh. system, right? And were you ever aware that she was invisible to, in the family uh, system? You, you wouldn't know, have been, No, you? I, I wasn't aware of it simply because I'm trying to survive. Exactly. And, and and she was too. Uh-huh. So this is, you know, becomes one of her coping mechanisms. Yeah. She becomes sort of the the savior caregiver, mm-hmm. I just leave, which, you yeah. know, that's a horrible thing, really, because I, I sort of abandoned my siblings, mm. you know, by getting out of there when I was 16. Oh. I just, I, you know, oh, and it was a survival mechanism. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you know, you have all these things in your history that are related to, in this case, directly related to my relationship with my yes. dad. Yes, yeah. Um, that that then becomes an impediment in your own heart yeah. for the possibility of right. of relationships in general yeah. and your relationship with God specifically. Exactly. So so then like coming forward then to when you became a father, six children, are you kidding me? I mean, yeah. like you're saying, okay, my dad didn't have a clue how to be a dad. Yeah. You're now with your history thrown into being a father to six. I was talking a, specifically even about yeah. your daughters. How did you then not repeat what you had been taught and experienced uh one is that you know one one of the values of rebelling against your own history is that it opens up the possibility of a different story Mm. and um and and you know it's a backhanded sort of grace Mm -hmm. Uh, but i did not want to be like my dad i didn't want to be identified with my dad um and that that had happened in all kinds of realms, not just relationally, but theologically mm-hmm. and everything else. So, I mean, it's a whole journey. And then I, we, you know, we start having children. I don't have the capacity to love, not really, um, but but the children are able to penetrate into the places mm. where your guard has been so strong and unknown, yeah. um, and yet they slip by, like like uh, a beautiful piece of music or like <laughs> a rainstorm you know did they're... your daughters touch your heart differently than your yeah. sons or was it the same well we had three boys in a row uh-huh. and then when amy was born it was like a whole new world and um so yeah but every one of my children touched me differently uh-huh. and not just based on gender no 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 just on no. the personality yes person yeah uh, that's what i think is a surprise for a lot of us you know when when we have our first child it's well, when we don't have a child yet, yeah. your focus is, is on the other, mm-hmm. or it should be in a sense. And yeah. then your first child comes along and is like, oh my goodness, I didn't have 
I didn't know I had the capacity for this. Exactly. And then when you're, you know, when Kim was pregnant with the second, when with Nicholas, um, it was like, how am I, how can I love another human being? I, I've used it all up. Oh, but, right. But the truth is, is that child brings this whole new world and capacity that with them, right? <laughs> I and, love that. Yeah, and then as the, as they become, as they grow and form, the knowing becomes yeah. the basis for the relationship. Yeah. There's, but every one of the children has a, there's a uniqueness about the relationship that has not existed before. Did anger ever become a way that you were Mm -hmm. as a dad or was, I've not heard you ever talk about that. Yeah, no. Um, So I wasn't really angry till I was 38. And, uh, and I say that in a, in a backhanded sort of way, because anger is a very focused emotion, Mm -hmm. right? And, and I had buried it. So long, because only when I was growing up, only the righteous man was allowed to be angry, uh-huh. like the righteous God. Right. Right. So, um, so my anger did not come until I started to deal with my stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was there, and when you when you have a focused emotion like anger and you bury it, it becomes an unfocused emotion uh-huh. like irritability. Yeah. And and it oozes out. Yeah, I mean the poison's there. The poison's they don't there. disappear. Yeah. They go somewhere. And so they they turn to unfocused emotion, depression, irritability, um uh sarcasm yeah. that's hurtful. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. all of those Absolutely. kinds of things. So 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 yes, I was angry. And um did that thank- affect parenting? It did. And the counterbalance for that in in my experience were two things. Mm-hmm. Kim who's a very powerful mother, yes. right? And so, it, you know, she had a great sixth sense for where I was stepping over issues uh-huh. and boundaries that I wasn't even aware of. Yeah. Because, you know, you act out of your history. You don't, as much as you want to deny it, we live from the past, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that past is you have to face it at some point. Um, and the other counterbalance was Kim's dad lived with us. Uh-huh. And uh, Willard. And Willard lived with us for 17 years. So my children were raised in a Uh multi-generational household in which the grandfather was a very safe man for them Mm -hmm. and had a profound impact on them. So much so that, yeah, so much, yeah, for me, because he was, he he modeled an entirely different kind Mm of of, uh, fatherly response than I was used to. Yeah. And uh, the impact was so significant that, you know, my kids would tell you that the three people that have the greatest impact in their whole lives were their mother, father, and grandfather, but not necessarily in that order. Uh-huh. You know, and so um, yeah. when I wrote The Shack, I wrote the character of Kim's dad, Willard, into it because we all called him Willie. <laughs> so when you read The Shack, Willie is Kim's father. Oh, I love that. And, and uh, um, we were at the premiere and Amy was with me, went to the premiere in New York and uh, got in a conversation with Tim McGraw, who plays Willie in the movie. Uh-huh. And Amy says, do you understand who Willie is to me? And he said, no. And so she starts to tell him, and he starts to cry, uh-huh. because it is so significant. Oh, my goodness. And um, so that's one of the great gifts in my history. Willie, uh, by the way, Tim says, I'm so glad I didn't know when I was <laughs> you know, playing the role. So Wow. But yeah. But well, yes, so our, yeah. our history is absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to hear how you have worked through some of the process of forgiveness and healing of the father wounds, whether they were absence yeah. 
or harmful things to you with your dad? It um, slowly and incrementally has been the process. Um, I tell people, you know, I think we'd all like extreme soul makeover, you know, <laughs> you know, give me a red or blue pill and, and send me to Disney World and fix me by the time I get back. But we're too incredibly crafted and too uniquely broken for quick fixes. Yeah. And this is a God who's got, uh, he's got the long, the long game in mind. Mm-hmm. And, and that's to heal us in a way that doesn't damage us even more. Mm-hmm. And so it takes our participation. I don't think God heals us apart from our participation. Um, so, it, you know, you look back, every journey toward wholeness is a unique one. Uh, in every single mm-hmm. human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and and mine uh, had to do with so many elements. Um, it had to do with the exposure of all the brokenness in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think exposure is a gift. It's a, it's a severe mercy. Mm. And... Um, exposure meaning? Meaning that um, all the stuff, all the brokenness, all the addictions, all the lies, all the secrets, everything that I had buried inside my shack, the house on the inside yes. that my father helped to build. All of that had to come to the surface mm-hmm. and, and be faced and dealt with. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, unfortunately, I, I, I wasn't wise enough um, to volunteer that process. You know, I didn't go get the help. I, I was caught and mm-hmm. uh, exposed that way, which yeah. is terrifying. Uh, but absolutely necessary if we're going to come to healing yeah and um and that started a you know a huge journey of trying to trying to get from the brokenness to some sense of wholeness and it required therapy in terms of my relationship with my dad um it's been an ongoing journey and Mm. and the and the issue of forgiveness that wasn't that has been an much easier journey than the issue of reconciliation. Mm. And that has become a very significant point for me is that a lot of times I think we as Christians, especially, uh, cause that's my world. Mm-hmm. I think we confuse forgiveness and reconciliation and get ourselves into huge amounts of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. we don't establish good boundaries because mm-hmm. we think that when we forgive someone, we're supposed to be able to trust them. Like trusting them is the evidence that you've forgiven uh-huh. them. And it's not. That's part of reconciliation. And forgiveness is a conversation between me and God about someone. And it is a process. Mm-hmm. And over the years, my forgiveness for my father uh, feels pretty complete. Mm-hmm. And, um, but when I wrote The Shack and I wrote chapter 15, um, Festival of Friends, where there's, a, recon- there's a, a reconnecting with the father and the son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't write that because it had happened. I wrote that because it was a hope. Uh-huh. And, um, and even since then, some things have wow. happened that have sort of bridged that. Uh-huh. But forgiveness, conversation between me yeah. and God about somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why for forgiveness, you don't need a face, right? But for reconciliation, yeah, you, you need do. a face because yeah. it, it is a face-to-face reestablishing uh-huh. over time yeah. of trust. That is a whole nother thing. Yes. And um, we're still working on that side of things. If I was to just wrap this up, Paul, I mean, I could talk to you the whole day. If I was to ask you to give one go step on your Marcus set go, one way that men or women listening today could begin to, to start that process of healing father wounds, 
what would you as a dad heart, you know, you've got a father heart yeah. as a dad to those listening that may not have had a dad that dialed into their heart space. How would you tell them to begin that process? You've, you've got to validate your own story enough to tell it. I think that's really, really at the core. A lot yeah. of us, we just want to package up our history and stuff it into some trunk in the attic somewhere mm-hmm. and then try to ignore it without realizing that it's part of the sound that we make today and, mm-hmm. and the broken sounds that we make today. So at some point, you have to take the risk of trusting God with skin on somebody and tell your story. Mm-hmm. And that means your story has to matter to you enough to tell it. Mm-hmm. You can't do this alone. Wow. We're not designed to do this alone. Mm-hmm. We're not made in the image of a God who's ever been alone. And so this becomes a real point of exposure yes. in, the, in the right sense. Wow. And uh, so you got to tell your story. Oh, Paul, it has been such a joy to have you here today. So great to be with you. Truly. Michelle. So for those of you listening, this has been a conversation with my friend Paul Young. His new book, Lies That We Believe About God. You got to get that book. And as we've talked today about unpacking your story, moving toward healing with your father wounds, you may want to re-listen to this because it was so packed with beautiful, practical tools. And dads, get out there, look at your stuff, tell your story so that you can be the dad you want to be to your daughters and sons. So thanks, Paul, again. It's been great to have you here. Good to be with you.